Yeah, yeah. Ball so hard, you better believe me, it's scary. It's basketball at the bar with Calvin and Barry. So put a tip in the jar, cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets you need enough just a beer in a cup. We're here for fresh conversations, got some delicious libations. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys, got you covered like you being guarded by pay. From the glove to the cloth, and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar, grab your drinks and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink and let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Let's get it. What up, ballers? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code, and you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks and let's go. Happy Tuesday, Calvin. Happy Tuesday. It is May 3rd, and this is episode 16 of Basketball at the Bar podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Hopefully you are all enjoying your Tuesday. We have an awesome show for you today. We're going to talk about some injury updates in the NBA. We're going to talk about some news, uh, league news, and Joe Dumars news. We're going to recap both games that happened yesterday, the Sixers at the Heat, the Mavericks at the Suns. Then we're going to give some previews on today's games, Bucks, Celtics, Warriors, Grizzlies. We're going to talk a little bit about our May 17th uh, party we're going to have for the NBA Draft Lottery. And then we're going to finish up the show, as always, with Q&A. You guys, the bar flies. Uh, we're going to answer all your burning questions. So here we are, Calvin. Here we are. A couple days away from Cinco de Mayo. That's a pretty big day in most bars. And May 4th. And May 4th. Tomorrow it is. We might have to do a Star Wars edition tomorrow. We or might something. have to. <laughs> so welcome in everybody. First uh, topic we have today: Joe Dumars. Uh, after spending the last two seasons with the Kings as a special advisor, now takes a position at the NBA executive offices as the executive VP. Uh, he is the head of operations now. Uh, congratulations, Joe. Congratulations. Long All NBA career. Royal Rebounds fans, stay tuned for Thursday because there's some <laughs> interesting reports coming out of Sacramento as to why he decided to leave yes. and take this job. Long NBA career, NBA champion, uh, longtime coach, executive, all this stuff. Um, so another move up for him. And uh, congratulations to Joe Dumars. Yes, congratulations. He's definitely one of the, the most well-liked people in the league, I would say. So that this is a, a good move for basketball and for Joe. And hopefully for the Sacramento Kings, but we'll talk about that on Thursday. All right, next up, Calvin, we have some injury updates. You want to break those down for us? Uh, yeah, first of all, thank you to the Miami Heat for making me read all those injury updates yesterday <laughs> that were meaningless. Um, so hopefully these are not going to be quite a waste of time. They've been fined before for uh, having <laughs> yes. injuries, yes, not having have. injuries, yes, stuff like that. Uh, first of all, Desmond Bain is listed as questionable for game two tonight with a sore lower back. Maybe he's been hanging out with Ben Simmons a little bit too much. I doubt this guy is not going to play. Um, I think he'll be ready to go by game time. However, Marcus Smart is not ready to go 
That game tips off in just under an hour. He is going to be out with a right quad contusion. Uh, the reports were that he took two shots to the his right quad in game one. His mobility is uh, pretty compromised at the moment, and he is not able to suit up today for Boston. Barry, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. We saw him limp off the court and head into the locker room. Uh, unfortunately, not available today for the Boston Celtics. We were just praising him last week. You know, defensive player of the year, first guard to do it since Gary Payton. Uh, this Boston Celtics team was looking like a real title contender, and they were actually the favorites in the East. They're still favored to win this game today, and we're going to break that down here in a little bit. But uh, this is definitely a huge loss for the Boston Celtics. Absolutely. Huge loss for the Boston Celtics. Any updates on Kyle Lowry? I know he missed last night's game. Uh, I think he's listed as questionable for Wednesday's game. Any any updates on him? I haven't heard any new information on Kyle Lowry. Okay. They're still winning without him, so uh, no need and, to and rush him back at this point. Seeing what Miami did yesterday with their injury report, I'm yeah. not sure we're really going to know what the real answer <laughs> is until game time. Very, very true. All right, so we had two awesome games yesterday. First off, the Philadelphia 76ers head to Miami to take on the Heat. They lose 106-92. Tyler Hero leads all Heat scores with 25 points off the bench. Uh, still looking like the sixth man of the year. Tobias Harris leads the Sixers with 27 points. No Joel Embiid in this game. Uh, it seems to be really affecting them, Calvin. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously you lose a guy that is potentially the MVP of the league. That's going to be a big deal. Um, highest usage rate in the entire NBA as well. So he's clearly a big part of what's going on. DeAndre Jordan was his replacement in the starting lineup. He really did nothing mm -hmm. for the 76ers. I did think that Paul Reed, who played 13 minutes off the bench, uh, did a really, really good job in a short amount of time. He was much more active on the boards. He had three offensive rebounds, or excuse me, five offensive rebounds in this game. Only scored four points, though. Uh, this is this game and this series is just going to be a battle of attrition for the 76ers. They played uh, eight guys off the bench for Philadelphia. Tyler Hero outscored all eight by himself. Crazy. So uh, you're, Crazy. you're just not getting enough contribution right now from... Uh, other people to make up for Embiid's loss. And, and Philadelphia, I, I'm not sure they have enough in the tank uh, to play at the high enough pace needed in order to compete in this series. Yeah, and they were actually in this game until the third quarter when the wheels started to uh, fall off. They tried to make a run in the fourth quarter, but they couldn't do much. Uh, they're really missing their MVP in Joel Embiid. Uh, you know, I, I have to admit, yesterday I said Tobias Harris was the key to this game. He needs to score, you know, 30-plus points. He was pretty close with 27 in this game. It wasn't enough. Uh, this Philadelphia team just seems to be outmatched here. James Harden, 16 points in this game, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, uh, 19 points for Tyrese Maxey. And then, as you mentioned, DeAndre Jordan, 4 points in 17 minutes. Uh, really seemed lost out there. Uh, just not effective against this Miami Heat team. Uh, Danny Green also underperformed. Only five points for him on six shot attempts. One of five from three-point range. And then you mentioned the bench. Nobody in double-digit scoring for this team. Uh, Matisse Thibel, 15 minutes for him. Only two points. This dude was touted or has been touted over the last season and a half as a defensive stopper. A very important part of this team uh last round we're talking about are they going to miss him in toronto he just has not 
stepped up to be that guy. He hasn't stepped up to be that guy. To be a little fair to him, Miami has so many options and weapons offensively. Mm -hmm. He can't guard all five of them at the same time. Correct. But you're you're right. I I mean, this we talked about it coming into this series. This was going to be a, a battle of depth. You know, one of the reasons why Miami is as good as they are is because they have just wave after wave that they can send at you. And mm-hmm. we saw that play out exactly in this game. Philadelphia was feeling good at up one at halftime. They were, I thought they were controlling the tempo of this game, which is going to be another huge part of this series. Tyrese Maxey, when he's got the ball in the open court, that's Philadelphia's best offense. Uh, they struggle to score in the half court. I liked how they switched to the zone. It, it threw Miami off for a little bit, but eventually good teams figure that out. And that's what you saw in the second half. It it was too much. Uh, Philadelphia doesn't have enough stamina. Their bench does not give them enough production. And that's why Miami was able to take control late in this game. Yeah, Jimmy Butler's still dealing with the knee soreness. He did play 30 minutes in this game, 15 points. But it really was the Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero show. uh, 24 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, a block. For Bam Adebayo, and as I mentioned uh, in the opener, 25 points, a rebound, and seven assists with zero turnovers for Tyler Hero on nine of 17 shooting from the field and four of six from three-point range. We saw Victor Oladipo play 27 minutes in this game. He was uh, the hero of uh, you know last series when uh, Jimmy Butler went down. 27 minutes, only five points in this game, but I like what I saw from him, and he really doesn't need to do that much, as you mentioned. Four out of the five starters for the Heat in double digits, plus you know your high score is coming off the bench. Uh, it's just too much for Philadelphia. It's only going to be, uh, it's only going to get harder for them as guys like Kyle Lowry get healthy, Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler uh, gets healthy. Not looking good for Philadelphia here. No, not looking good at all, especially considering the fact that they felt they were feeling really, really good about themselves at halftime. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just being in the game, but actually having a lead uh, and then to have everything change on a dime like that so quickly. They, they've got their work cut out for them here in game two. Yeah, they definitely do. And, you know, on the other side of the coin, it's only one game. It was in Miami. Miami was favored to win this game, so they did what they were supposed to do. They say a series doesn't start until you win a road game. So even if Philadelphia loses this next game, they're heading back home. If Joel Embiid can you know, give it a go with the mask on or something like that, they still have a chance in this series. It's just not looking good at this point. Yeah, they have a, a puncher's chance, I would say. <laughs> no pun intended. All right, I got a. I got a question for you, Calvin. So let's talk a little bit about James Harden here. Yeah. You know, he's getting older. We're talking about the rule changes and all these things that have kind of affected his performance. He's been on three different teams now in two years. Uh, he wanted out of Houston. He showed up, you know, with the fat suit on, or, or maybe that was his real body. I'm not really quite sure. But he didn't want to be in Houston. Got out. Wanted to go team up with his buddies in Brooklyn. Didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Wanted to get out of Brooklyn. Now he's here in Philadelphia. Teams up with an MVP quality guy or caliber guy in Joel Embiid, who's now out due to injury. This is James Harden's chance, right? Like, this is James Harden. Does he step up here? He's Like I said, 35 minutes here, only 16 points. 
He doesn't have a lot of shooters around him um, on this team. Can James Harden still take over a game? That's a good question. I think it kind of depends on what you mean by take over a game, first of all. But the, here's the difference that I see, or the biggest difference I see in James Harden. And there are a lot of factors that go into this. You mentioned rule changes. His um, One of the, the greatest things about his game was his ability to get to the free throw line, right? He mm-hmm. was shooting 10 to 12 free throws a game. Uh, and that is huge for a scorer. It helps you get into rhythm, easy opportunities, things like that. It wears down a defense over time. So that's definitely part of it. But we're in the playoffs now, so the, the game is, is officiated differently in the postseason, I would say, than, than the regular season. So let's kind of throw that away. There's another f- factor. He hasn't been the number one option on his team now in three seasons. Now, if you're a great player, you should be able to flip the switch pretty quickly especially if you're a great scorer. The biggest difference that I see in James Harden's game is he was never really thought of in my mind as an explosive player or, uh, you know, a a great athlete, one of those guys that can, you know, get to the rim um, and finish over people. But what he did have was an incredibly quick first step Mm -hmm. and the ability to change directions very, very easily which allowed him to create space for that patented step-back three that he had at his disposal. I don't see that from him as much anymore. His ability to create separation on the perimeter. He can still get downhill, get to the basket. He's really good at adjusting um, you know, to the, de- to the defense and finishing through contact. But what gives him the ability to explode for these 35-point, 40-point games was that ability to create space for a three-point shot on the perimeter. He's still got a really quick release, so he's able to get the shot off, Mm -hmm. but it's not nearly as effective because he can't create the separation that he used to. So that spells trouble for James Harden when it comes to taking over a game, giving them the amount of points and offense that they're going to need to fill the void while Joel Embiid is out. Yeah, he's getting older now. He's he's 32. Um, 22 points a game this season is 17th in the league. He's really had to adjust his game, as you mentioned, not being the best player on the floor and pass the ball a lot more, right? He's second in the league in assists right now uh, at 10.3 a game. But he's making $44 million this season. He's got an option next year for $47 million. It's crazy, man. This guy has fallen from grace so fast. Uh, You know, a lot of people would point at, you know, his habits off the court and maybe not taking care of his body. But I agree with you. It's it's the first quick step he doesn't seem to have anymore. He seems to have lost a little bit of that, like, craftiness that he did have, right, where he wasn't always the fastest guy, the quickest guy, all this. But I remember watching him as a rookie – there was something like an old school quality to his game, right? Where he just had this crafty ability to fool people and make them think he was going one way and he did the opposite. Mm-hmm. I don't really see that much anymore. He seems to be relying on the step back and basically dribble, 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 shoot or pass the ball at this point. This team doesn't have a lot of three-point shooters on it. It doesn't have a lot of guys uh, that can really step up. So not having a guy like Joel Embiid on the court is really hurting James Harden's output a lot. And I agree with you. I don't know if James Harden can still 
take over a game at this point or be this guy. Philadelphia is in trouble because they gave up a lot to get this guy. They sure did give up a lot to get him. And, you know, going back to that take over a game, he can still take over a game, but it's going to look more like the way Chris Paul takes over a game now, right? Yeah. 22 points, 15 assists, something like that, which I believe were the numbers he posted in their, their game six win uh, at in Toronto. But as you mentioned, guys have to be able to step up and knock down shots in order for you to get 15 assists. So who is going to be the, the person or the people uh, that step up and hit outside shots routinely on this team? Tobias Harris is definitely one of those people that has to do it. But the other guys you're now relying on, Tyrese Maxey, who has been very sporadic when it comes to three-point shooting. Danny Green, we all know about Danny Green's mm-hmm. struggles in the postseason shooting from the outside. Georges Niang has been their best three-point shooter all season long. He went 0 of 7 yesterday. Yeah. Outside of that, I don't see anybody else here who's really going to fill that void for them. So, yes, they need him to score more than they need him to facilitate right now without Embiid. And against a defense like Miami, I'm not so sure how easy that's going to be, especially if he's only going to get to the free throw line four times in a game. Yeah, we'll see if he can uh, flip that switch or not because that's something that he really needs to be able to do uh, if this team is going to have any chance. It really is. What's up, Techno Peasant? Good to see you here. Lowry is out for game two. Yeah, uh, and that doesn't seem to be a problem for the Miami Heat uh, because they're, they're rolling right now. They are absolutely rolling. So, Calvin, you know, we're talking about injuries here. Jimmy Butler, he's been dealing with some knee soreness. It, it does affect his game, but when I think of Jimmy Butler, there's a lot more to him than just his on-the-court performance, right? There's leadership, uh, there's that fire, um, his work ethic, a lot of things about him that are just contagious, and it fits really well with this Miami Heat culture. Mm-hmm. I think it's clear he is the leader on this team, right? But the question that I have is... Is Jimmy Butler a superstar? Because we've seen him have superstar moments where he's had great scoring outputs. We saw him in the bubble, you know, bring the heat to the finals almost single-handedly. Yes, it was a lot of the same players on this roster, but they were a lot younger, didn't have much experience. Jimmy Butler was the driving motor of that team. Um is he a superstar leading this team, or is this team more similar to uh, an 0405 Pistons or maybe one of these Atlanta Hawks teams we've seen in the past where it's it's kind of a, you know, you have a, a, a verbal leader, but it's kind of a, a winning by committee? Yeah. Um, I do see a lot of comparisons and similarities between this Miami Heat team and that 0405 Pistons team think they play you know kind of similar styles they're very solid defensively this Miami Heat team is definitely has more shooters than that Detroit Pistons team did but you know you've got Bam in the middle and Ben Wallace in the middle again they're not really the exact same player but and the league is much different they, now. the league too. is very different too but I, I think it's fair to say that there are some similarities between the two Jimmy Butler is still a superstar in my mind it's it depends on how you define what a superstar is of course but Jimmy Butler averaged over 30 a game in that opening round series against Atlanta. I don't think there was a single Pistons player on that team 
in uh, 05 when they went on that championship run that averaged 30 points a game for this for a series. I could be wrong, but I'd be willing to bet money that there was not. Um, that alone doesn't make him a superstar, though. It's it, to, In my opinion, he's an unbelievable two-way player. He does it on both ends of the court. People always point to his uh, poor three-point shooting, which has gotten worse over the past couple of years, um, and that is a flaw in his game. However, this guy, a, a superstar in my mind, is always... Uh, always gives you what you need in the biggest moments, right? And we've seen him do that time and time again, whether it's hit threes, uh, get shots inside, make big plays defensively, find other guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, open <clears throat> within the offense on his team. He, he gives you whatever you need on any given night, and he steps up in the biggest moments. He's the leader of this team. He's the vocal leader of the team. Um, so in that regard, he is a superstar. I would love to have him on my team. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He's more of like an unstoppable force, right? It, it's not always his scoring that's going to get you. It's not always his defense. It's those other things that I mentioned, right? The work ethic, the drive, the leadership, uh, the things that he does to put his team in the right position to win. And the fact that all the players on his team look up to him, right? He just demands that respect and and that leadership. Like, Jimmy Butler is a superstar. And you're right. There are a lot of different ways that you can determine what a superstar is, whether it's popularity, uh, how many points a game you score, how much money you make, stuff like that. But for me, overall, Jimmy Butler is a superstar, and he's leading this Miami team, I think, to the finals again. They certainly look like they could be on one of those runs again. And, and it all, we can all point it back to what moment, right? Yeah. Jimmy Butler getting into it with mm-hmm. Udonis Haslam and Eric Spolstra towards the end of the regular yep. season. A lot of people wondered if that would mess up the chemistry on this team. If anything, it's made them stronger. Much stronger. And, yeah, the dude is just a flat-out baller. He's a leader. Uh, you know, whatever happened with him in Chicago or Minnesota, uh, the dude is is a baller, and he's one of the best players on the court at all times. I know he's dealing with some knee soreness right now, so we'll see uh, how that is resolved. But Miami Heat are a great team, and like I said, they're going to the finals. They really are. We shall see. All right, moving on to our second game on Monday. We had the Dallas Mavericks heading to Phoenix to take on the Suns. The Suns win this game 121-114. They were leading uh, pretty much the whole game here. Dallas tried to make a little run there at the end. Uh, Phoenix closed them out with some free throws. An awesome performance by DeAndre Ayton, and i got to give you a shout-out for that, Calvin, because I mean, I think most people saw you that said coming, he was so. going to absolutely feast in this series. Uh, I was talking to Mike, actually, um, during the game, he was texting me, and he's like, we just can't stop anybody inside. We need a rim protector. And I'm like, yeah, you guys shouldn't have let Nerlens Noel go. I know it's been a couple years now. I was a huge Nerlens fan in college. Uh, then he comes down with a knee injury. He's had uh, issues in the NBA, bounced around. But he's playing great in uh, New York now. I think he's averaging like 2.2 blocks a game this season. That's a huge need that the Mavericks uh, need to figure out a way to fill this offseason. But I also got to give a shout-out to Luka Doncic. 
I know they lost this game, but 45 points, yep. 12 rebounds, eight As assists. Kenny and Chuck like to say he's a bad man. Yeah, a block. Uh, you know, he shot 15 of 30 from the field, four of 11 from three-point range, 11 of 14 from the free throw line. Other than him, you know, Maxi Kleba, 25 minutes off the bench, 19 points, five threes again for him. Uh, 15 p- points for Dorian Finney-Smith and 13 for Jalen Brunson. Uh, other than that, this team doesn't have that much, right? Like, we saw the amazing first round that Jalen Brunson had against the Utah Jazz. Is that more of a reflection of how bad the Jazz were or how good this Dallas Mavericks team are? I know they're playing the best the team. Suns. Or, sorry, yes. Right. I know they're playing the best team in the NBA right now in the Phoenix Suns, but Dallas, they just don't even seem like they belong here at this point. (laughs) Well, I think it's definitely more of how good the Phoenix Suns are. And Utah is a disappointing team. And it's funny that you uh, brought those two teams up because the more I think about Utah and Phoenix, they're built in the exact same way. Phoenix is just what Utah wants to be. <laughs> when you think about it, their best player is an explosive two-way shooting guard that is a three-level scorer, mm-hmm. really, really good scorer. They have a veteran point guard who's supposed to be one of the leaders of their team, Yep, um, comes up big in big moments, can score, but is mainly the engine that drives it, right, the mm-hmm. facilitator. They've got a dominant big man inside, and then the rest of the team is shooters. The, the Phoenix Suns are exactly what Utah wants to be, um, but Utah is not even close to the level that Phoenix is at. And <clears throat> when you look at what Dallas did in this game, they did everything they wanted to coming in here. They wanted to shoot the three and get big performances from their, their main players, right? Doncic has a huge game. They make 16 threes. They shot 41% from outside. And they never led in this game. Mm-hmm. And that just goes to show how good Phoenix is. Not only are they a great defensive team, but they're a great offensive team as well. They're finally getting the contributions from the other guys like Cam Johnson. Jay Crowder showed up big in this game. And yeah, DeAndre Ayton, it, he, there is nobody on this Dallas team that can stop him. He seals and runs the floor so well. He's open every single time. Dallas, I I just don't see how they can get more than one game in this series. Yeah, all five Phoenix starters are in double digits in this game, and then Cam Johnson, 17 big points off the bench for them. Uh, I get where you're going with this analogy between, you know, the Jazz and Phoenix, and you're right. Uh, But Phoenix, to me, is what everybody wants to be right and the jazz are more of like a kmart version of the phoenix suns to me you know chris paul and mike conley you mentioned both good veteran point guards chris paul's first ballot hall of famer i don't I, know if, i'm not saying mike no conley no i agree as good as yeah, yeah no paul, i agree i agree they, the way they they're play built. the same role on, yeah. this, on those two teams and then deandre ayton is just so much better offensively than than Rudy Gobert. And that's one thing that really stuck out to me in the first-round series is Gobert is just so limited, and it's crazy how much money the guy makes. He got paid. Phoenix yeah. is worried about paying DeAndre Ayton this offseason, and the dude has just feasted. He's definitely making himself a ton of money uh, in this next contract. 25 big points here, eight rebounds. 
uh, a block. He only shot one free throw in this game. We saw Rudy Gobert just constantly getting hacked and going to the free throw line because he can't make the free throws. DeAndre Ayton can't. Yeah, you can't do that with him. And he's just a much more overall polished player, a much more well-balanced player. But I agree with you. They're built the same way, but the pieces on this Phoenix Suns team are much, much better. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so you, you look at Dallas and you say, okay, well, we got what we wanted. We hit they, – they averaged, I think, fit over 15 threes a game in that opening round series. They hit 16 in game one on the road. Luka Doncic has 45 points. What was missing? And it's Dinwiddie and Brunson. That's what's missing. And yep. the reason why those two guys aren't going to be effective in this series, for Brunson's, from Brunson's point of view, he did almost all of his damage by being able to get into the paint against mm-hmm. Utah. Poor perimeter defense allowed him to get in there at will, and he was really, really good around the basket. He shot almost 50% from the, uh, from the field when he was taking shots in the paint against Utah. He was 5 of 13 in the paint in Game 1 against Phoenix. He's not going to get the same types of looks or opportunities. He's going to have to work a lot, lot harder. And he's not a dead-eye three-point shooter yet, so he can't just sit back and and take those open threes and expect to um, make up for it that way. And then when you look at Dinwiddie, one, they, the way they use him is they put him in the corner or on the wing, and when Doncic drives, they get help from a big man, mm-hmm. which forces the wing defender to sink in to have to pick up the big man's uh, who, whoever DeAndre Ayton's guarding. That leaves the corner three wide open. But we saw over and over again in game one, Phoenix is not going to play it that way. They're not going to hedge. They're not going to blitz the screen. They're going to allow Luka to go into the paint. And it's clear they're okay with him scoring 40 a game in this series yep. because they want to take away those outside corner threes. Yeah, speaking of making a bunch of money in the offseason, Jalen Brunson is poised to get a pretty good contract after his performance in the first round where he was looking like an absolute superstar, especially considering the fact that uh, Doncic was out due to injury. My question for you, Calvin, uh, was Jalen Brunson's performance against the Jazz Fools gold, or is this guy the real deal and this is just not a great matchup for him at this point? Uh, I think it probably falls somewhere in the middle of that. I I don't think it's entirely fool's gold. I've said it multiple times on this show. I think that Jalen Brunson is the best backup. He's not coming off the bench anymore, but the best backup point guard in the league. Um, He's a really fine player. This is his first, you know, real playoff experience that he's getting. And this is a bad matchup for him. So, is he capable of scoring, you know, 20 to 25 points in, in one of these games and the Mavericks pulling uh, out a victory? Yeah, I think that is true. But you're, you're, he averaged 28 a game against Utah. That's not going to happen here. Yep. So it's a, it's a combination of it being a poor matchup. Um, he's going to have to improve his game, you know, in, certain, in some areas uh, to where he's, he's on the doorstep of being, you know, a premier guard in this league, but he's not there yet. And it's just a, a team deficiency. You know, it's not all on his shoulders. This is a bad matchup for the Dallas Mavericks as a team. Yeah, we saw him tweak his back also late in that first-round series. Not sure if that's really affecting him at this point, as most players are currently dealing with some sort of ailment uh, this far into the season. But amazing player. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. They're just outmatched team-wise in this. And 
even if Jalen Brunson were to go for 30 and Doncic go for 30 or 40, it's still going to be very, very tough to win a game or the series against this team. Yeah, and and biggest reason for that is Phoenix, I don't know if Dallas can stop them from scoring. They, they, they can score in so many different ways, so many different areas of the court. Um, Phoenix should average over 120 points a game for this series. Yeah, and I'm even looking here, guys on the bench like Torrey Craig, uh, Cameron Payne, Landry Shaman, all capable scorers that did not really play too well. That's nine combined points for them in game one. I know it's only one game, right? And sometimes yeah. we tend to overreact, especially considering, you know, I, I took Phoenix uh, to win the title this year. I know you took them to go to the finals. Um, but Dallas, I think, uh, overachieved this season. Um, they got matched up with a Utah Jazz team in the first round that was absolutely reeling with glaring weaknesses. Uh, they seem to be falling apart at the seams. Um, congratulations for winning a playoff first-round series. They haven't won one since 2010. Um, but the Phoenix Suns are just, they want to get back to the finals. They still got that sour taste in their mouth from last season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Progressive G, I, I think, we we kind of just made that same argument about Jalen Brunson. I, I I believe what I said was he's on the doorstep of being a great player. Um, this is just a bad matchup for him. So I, I'm not saying that, or I'm not suggesting that Jalen Brunson is uh, not a, a. We're seeing something like a mirage, you know, in that first round series. That that's not who he is as a player. I think he's a fantastic player, but he's going to really struggle in this series. He's also facing a guy in Chris Paul who is pretty good at defense. Yeah. He's pretty good. All right, moving on here, Calvin. Let's talk about today's games. Uh, first uh, tip-off here is about 30 minutes. We have the Milwaukee Bucks are heading back to Boston um, to try and take another game. They already have home court now. Um, they won game one. I'm looking here at the ESPN matchup predictor. It is absolutely wild. Boston's favored by five in this game. Uh, they have a 67.5% chance to win this game. And this is with Marcus Smart sidelined. Yeah. Uh, he's officially out. George Hill is out for the Milwaukee Bucks. Tell me about this game. Well, I already didn't feel great about Boston after watching what happened in game one. Um, and now Marcus Smart is going to be out. You know, I still think that this series is going to be pretty evenly matched eventually. I think Boston will figure out a way to get more offense, more points on the board. Um, and they only gave up 101 to Milwaukee, which is not bad at all. So I still, I still expect this series to go at least six games. Um, but not having Smart out there is, is going to be a huge blow, obviously. And, and if Boston goes back to Milwaukee down 0-2. Um, that's a big, big hole to be in. Yeah, and especially while Chris Middleton is still out, the Bucks are still getting oh, my wins bad, here. Man. <laughs> what? Oh, if if he returns, um, you know that's huge for Milwaukee. But they might not even need him to return in this series. We talk about you know the Celtics. I was very impressed by what they did to uh, Brooklyn in the last series. Uh, I don't know if it's more of how bad Brooklyn was and how much they have really fallen or how good the Boston Celtics team 
was, but they were looking like a playoff contender. And I know they were the title favorite uh, finishing that first round series. Not having Marcus Smart is huge. We need to see Jason Tatum really step up and be that guy that we all expect him to be to have a chance in this series. But he's got a tough matchup, too, playing against a guy in Giannis yeah. Antetokounmpo, a two-time MVP winner, NBA champion. Uh, this is going to be a very, very tough series for Boston. But it's only one game. They yeah. have another game at home here. They very well could win this game. Um, it's going to be a good series. It is, and the matchups in this series are really interesting to watch. You know, we saw, I, I kind of expected Boston, or uh, excuse me, Milwaukee to match up Giannis on Jason Tatum for a lot of this series, but it looks like they'd rather have him on Jalen Brown, uh, which is really interesting to me, you know, and the fact that Milwaukee is is going with this big, big front court with Portis and Lopez and Giannis, they're, they're doing the same thing that they've done all year long. Block the paint, make it basically impossible to score around the rim, mm-hmm. which you would think would benefit Boston because they're more of a mid-range uh, to three-point jump shooting team. They don't really uh, – I mean, every team looks to get points in the paint, obviously. But the the way Boston attacks the floor is more in the mid-range game. Uh, but it's it's matchups. It's trying to get – the, the pick-and-roll game going with the right people. Um, Milwaukee is really good at being able to switch pick-and-rolls because they've got people like Giannis who can switch yeah. on to almost anyone. So I, I look for Boston to maybe try and get Brooke Lopez involved in more pick-and-rolls in this game, see if they can get a little bit more separation there in the mid-range, which is going to allow for some easier shot opportunities and some dump-offs that are going to be easy easy buckets at the rim. Yeah, who is going to step up for the Boston Celtics? Uh, you know, this could be similar to what's happening with the Dallas Mavericks, right? Is you're like, okay, Jason Tatum, go score 40. We're going to shut down everybody else. And what are you going to do? Uh, we saw Al Horford have a huge impact in the first round, especially guarding a guy like Kevin Durant. There's so much size on this Bucks team. It's kind of like, what do you do if you're Al Horford? Who do you yeah. try and stick with? Who do you shut down? They have so many options. This team is so deep, and they just have so many different types of players and styles of play that they can play. They match up well with any team in the league. Uh, I'm kind of looking at myself and like, why didn't I pick the Bucks? I'm really not sure why you finals. Didn't. I don't know. But uh, I'm sticking with the Miami Heat still. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I can't like hate on that pick. They're a great team. Um, and Miami might have a tough time with the size of the Bucks as well. Oh, yeah, so. for sure. I mean, everybody does. They're, they're just a huge team. And one part, I, I don't know how underrated this is because I think most people know this about Marcus Smart. He's one of the best guards in the NBA at taking charges. So yep. not having him on the court, to me, that's one of the the easiest ways, not easy, but one of the best ways that you can try to get uh, an advantage on Milwaukee, right? Giannis, my only criticism about him is that he plays way too out of control sometimes Mm -hmm. on offense. And it should be relatively easy when he's out of control like that to take some charges on him and get some easy, cheap fouls. So not having Marcus Smart in the game for that purpose is uh, is going to hurt Boston. You got a prediction on this uh, score today? I, I, I don't know, man. I'm really torn on this series because I think that this is an, is going to be an evenly matched series, and it's potentially going to go six or seven games. But without 
smart and, and the way that Milwaukee really controlled game one, it leans me towards picking boss or excuse me, picking Milwaukee again in this game. Yeah, I think uh, I think both teams are going to score 100 in this game, but I, I see Milwaukee winning by 12. Wow, 12. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think they'll pull away there at the end. I just think that there's so much they can do. And, I, and I'm actually looking towards, like, Brooke Lopez uh, to stretch the floor a little bit for them in this game, bring a guy like Al Horford outside, and open up a lot more paint opportunities for yeah. guys like Giannis yeah, 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 without exactly. Marcus Smart there to uh, take charges. All right, so second game of the day, we have the Golden State Warriors are heading back to Memphis to take on the Grizzlies. Golden State won the first game of this series, a very close game. They won by one point. We saw Draymond Green get ejected. Yes. Uh, Calvin and I just posted a video about an hour ago uh, debating whether that ejection was warranted or not, so make sure you guys check that out. Uh, But... This is another game. It's game two. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think that Memphis has home court, or they did in this series. Yeah. We saw the Warriors pick up one game here. I think that Draymond Green, you know, he said in his uh, press conference that he's going to keep playing his same game. But you got to think he's going to be maybe a little bit more careful in this game because he realizes that although they won that first game, I think they got a little lucky in that game. And that's not a shot at the Warriors at all. It's oh, just for sure. that was an opportunity that the Grizzlies missed out on. Yeah. He needs to keep his emotions in check in this game. Uh, but give me your thoughts on this game. I like Memphis to even the series up in this game. Um, and, again, this is another series that I think is going to be really competitive, probably go six or so games. Um, after watching game one, I think – Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark, the two of them together create a big advantage in this series for uh, Memphis, partly because Draymond can't guard them both at the same time. If Jackson is going to shoot from the outside like he did in game one, Memphis has got a huge advantage. But I'm looking at Jordan Poole. He's been so good for the Warriors this year. 31 points in game one. Mm -hmm. Big reason why they were able to squeak out that victory. He hasn't been the most consistent player in the postseason so far, and that's to be expected, right? This is his first playoff run. Yep. Uh, it, obviously, teams are game planning for him now and gearing up for him specifically. So I don't expect him to come out and have 30 again in this game, and I think Memphis is going to squeak out a, another tight one. At Interesting. Home. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's uh, – this is going to be a good series. Uh, you know, the Warriors are favored now to come out of the West. I don't know if I agree with that. I'm still picking Phoenix. Um, Andre Iguodala is out in this game, still dealing with the neck injury. Steven Adams is out uh, due to COVID. It'll be interesting to see if, if Steven Adams does come back in this series and what they can get out of him if, if they even put him out here. Uh, we saw him getting benched in the first-round series. Golden State likes to play small. Obviously, missing a guy like Draymond Green for half the game hurts them a lot in what they want to do, um, but they were able to sneak out a victory. For me, this game really falls on Jaron Jackson Jr. He needs to pull Draymond Green out of the paint. He needs to hit some threes, and then he also just has to do it on the defensive end of the floor. We saw him have, yeah. like, what was that, seven blocks or something? 
in one of the first round series games in, in game one. Yeah, played. and that was the game he fouled out, and he only played twenty four minutes. Yeah, played incredible. So he is the key for me if Memphis is going to get this win tonight. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Golden State's favored by two. Uh, but as I mentioned, this ESPN matchup predictor is absolutely insane. How can Golden State be favored by two, but they're predicting Memphis a 68% chance of winning this game? Uh, it's going to be tough, man. Desmond Bain's still dealing with the lower back injury. Uh, he has been huge for them. Uh, I don't know if, if Memphis is going to pull out this game, um, but I definitely think it will be another close one. Yeah, it's always hard to pick against the Warriors, right? Yeah. But I I think Memphis is going to even the series up tonight. What are your thoughts on Clay Thompson? Because everyone was talking about, wow, you know, Clay's back. Uh, he's definitely not been the same guy. I mean, he's dealt with a bunch of injuries. He's getting older. Uh, this Warriors team has guys like Jordan Poole that they can lean on. What are your thoughts as far as like what Clay Thompson brings to this series and and what he needs to do for the Warriors to to win this? Well, I think Clay Thompson has uh for me he's he's ahead of schedule or I guess he's he's playing better than what, you know, the Warriors could have hoped for, I would say at this point. Coming off of two major major injuries like that, offensively he looks like he's totally in rhythm to me and, mm -hmm. and he is one of the biggest keys of this team right like they don't they don't advance without Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole and Draymond Green really you know doing what they do best uh, on this team and that's hitting timely threes uh you know spreading the defense out uh their their willingness to make the extra pass and find the open shot no no one of these guys is has too big of a head um, when it comes to, you know, getting their own points or their own numbers, things like that, they always make the right play. They know each other so well. And then defensively, that's where he still needs to make the most strides, I think. And he's admitted to that as well. You're seeing him start to figure it out, though. He's still a step slow, but he knows where to be. And it was clearly evident on the last play of the game. Uh, when he starts guarding Brandon Clark, but he immediately switches off to him because he sees John Morant is going full head of steam for, yep. for the rim, and he's the guy that's, that meets him there for the contest. Um, he was, again, a step slow, didn't quite get in front and stop the drive or cut off the drive, uh, but Morant is a, is a difficult player to do that to for, for a guy that's at 100%. So he's incredibly important to the Warriors that there is definitely no understating that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if you're looking at it from Golden State's perspective, he's more than ahead of where he needs to be right now for them to make another title run. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. What's up, Mr. Nobody? Howdy. Good to see you here. We don't do play-by-play. -play. We've done it a few times. Uh, you know, we like to do the show right before the game starts so that we can give our full attention to you guys, the audience, uh, and, you know, we like to give our full attention to the game when we're watching the game so that we can break them down. But every once in a while, we do do play-by-play. -play. But welcome to the channel. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We're here Monday through Friday uh, breaking down the action. And uh, we finish up every show with Q&A. So we try and get you guys all involved, answer all your questions, and, and discuss any topics that you like uh, towards the end of the show. On that subject, Calvin, I think we're ready to jump into Q&A, right?
Yeah, or anything it. else you want to you want to discuss real quick about this Warriors Grizzlies series? Uh, no, I, it should be. I, I'm really excited to watch the game. I, I think it's going to be very very entertaining. Yeah, we saw the entertainment from game one. Uh, I don't think Draymond will get ejected again here, uh, but that would be entertaining. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would. But yeah, two exciting games today. We'll see what happens. Um, and hey, just more playoff basketball, right? Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to open it up to Q&A here. So if you have any questions, any topics, subjects, anything you'd like us to discuss, just let us know here in the chat, and we'd be happy to uh, break them down for you. Uh, like I said, um, we are live here Monday through Friday, every single weekday, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, we have a good time uh, with it. And we are also going to be doing a draft party show, a free agent show, and also uh, a draft lottery show where DJ Calvin here is going to be breaking down some uh, some beats, and we're going to be having a good time watching the lottery. So make sure you guys check that out on May 17th. Yeah, basketball-related or non-related, whatever yeah, you we'll, want to we'll talk take about. any questions. Yeah, we'll open it up for you. But first off, Calvin, who do you want as the Sacramento Kings coach? Well, the person I really want is not one of the three finalists. Uh, I was pretty high on Kenny Atkinson, um, and I would have even liked guys like Darvin Ham or you know some of these younger assistants that were part of the interview process. But if you're asking me between the three finalists, I, I haven't really made a final call yet. I just know that Mark Jackson is not the person I would pick. I would probably go between Mike Brown and Steve Clifford. I think either one of those guys would be – I would be okay with either one of them. Yeah. Uh, for me, it, it's really tough because, you know, we're not involved in these interview processes. We don't really know. I, I like the assistant from San Antonio. Uh, I, I love some of these younger guys uh, just because I, I want a coach that's going to be able to, to grow and improve with this team. I'm looking for a guy that's going to be the head coach for the next 10 years uh, hopefully, or, or maybe even longer. That being said, I love what Monty's done so far. Other than the Halliburton trade, which it was just because I was a big fan of Tyrese Halliburton, um, but I don't think it was a bad trade. The Kings brought in an all-star for a, a first-round pick a year earlier. I'm trusting them to go through the process and pick the right guy because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I think or what Calvin thinks or what yeah. we want. It's what the GM wants. It's what the players want. They're the guys that are going to have to be working together every single day to make that thing happen. This is Monty's big decision that he needs to make, and I think this is what's going to ultimately make or break him as the GM of the Sacramento Kings. So he needs to be fully invested in whatever guy that he chooses. Uh, why not Mark Jackson? I don't have a problem with Mark Jackson. You know, I, I, there's a lot of good things I've heard. There's a lot of bad things I've heard. Uh, you know, five years ago, I was all on the Mark Jackson train. I think it's been a while since this dude has been uh, a head coach in the NBA. Um, and at the same time, I think he's got an amazing job in kind of the John Gruden role right now as an NBA color uh, commentator. Why would he want to leave that to go to the Sacramento Kings? I have no idea, but... Like I said, I, I'm going to trust uh, Monty in, in whatever decision he makes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Progressive G, it, it is definitely looking like Mark Jackson's going to be the guy. Um, and I, I guess 
part of the reason why I don't want Mark Jackson. It has nothing to do with Mark Jackson himself. It has everything to do with this process. We heard all along that this is Monty's decision to make. He's the guy running the team, blah, 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 blah. We're now starting to hear conflicting reports from that, which worries me. It, it has nothing to do with Mark Jackson as an individual. I don't want Vivek meddling in this decision. I want this to be Monty's decision 100%. So if, I, if it comes to fruition that that's not the case, then it just feels like we're repeating old mistakes that got us in trouble in the past. Um, I think Mark Jackson is a great motivator. I think he would be really good for a young team that's trying to change their culture. So in that regard, it's all great, right? But I think that the Kings might have missed out on an opportunity to get somebody like Ime Adoka, mm -hmm. who was a young assistant that sat on the bench for a long time, earned his stripes, all that stuff. I mean, you got to think, James. Ham I go back to what James Ham said in a podcast a couple of days ago in that <clears throat> Guys like Will Hardy, who don't have a single year of head coaching experience, still have four times more coaching experience at the NBA level than Mark Jackson does. So I just feel like the Kings might have missed a big opportunity to land one of the next bright stars that's going to be on the bench for a really long time. Yeah. And uh, May 17th is two weeks from now, so it'll be a Tuesday. Uh, and it'll be... An exciting day, Calvin. Very, very exciting mm -hmm. day. What's up, Ivan? Good to see you here. And Progressive G, I don't know if I said what's up to you. Thank you for joining us. I've seen a lot of Mark Jacksons in here. We'll see. I mean, he's coming in for an interview, so uh, we'll see what happens. Flame Flurry 11, good to see you here. We are in Q&A, so if you have any questions, I know you had a bunch yesterday. I think you dipped out a little early, so we are in Q&A now, uh, so feel free to ask any questions you have. We're just talking about the Kings coaching staff and uh, what's going on with Mark Jackson in this interview uh, that's going to be really big, so we'll see what happens there. Um, maybe it will be a deal. Vivek gets his coach on Jackson. Monty gets a new contract, plus gets the power to name the assistants. I don't know if <clears throat> I don't know if that's a good deal. Um, Monty's job, in my opinion, is tied to whoever this head coach is. So I think he really needs to be in in that conversation. And honestly, if I'm Vivek. I'm not meddling in the decision just based on the fact that all the decisions that uh, Monty has made in the past two years have all been great decisions. Like the guys that he's drafted, I think he's nailed it in both draft picks. Uh, I thought he's made some good, smart trades. He hasn't handicapped the team. If I'm Vivek, I'm looking over the past 10 years or so of my ownership, and I'm like, okay, we drafted Bagley, Stauskas, some of these other guys that barely even made the squad or were out in a year or so. I'm going to trust this guy because he knows what he's doing. But you never know, man. You never know. It's the Sacramento Kings, and uh, it gets crazy sometimes, right, Cal? It does. Definitely does. Where do you think Will Hardy will coach? Uh, not sure. I, I don't really know what other teams or positions he interviewed for. So I, I don't think I'm, um, at this point in time, qualified to make a, a guess on that. I think Monty's contract was three years, so I think he's on the last year of his deal. And uh, honestly, I think that his contract needs to align with this new coach. So maybe sign him for another three years, sign the coach for three years, and reevaluate at the end of that. Um, 
as a fan base, you know, we all want the Kings to go back to the playoffs. It's just so tough. It's so tough um, having all that pressure because these things do take time, and you de- you do need coaches to go in there and establish their system and their culture and all that. And that's not something that happens in one year. When you end up just firing your coach every year, it affects the development of your players. It affects team chemistry, all this stuff. So it's really a tough situation that they're in. What's up, Steven? Good to see you here. With these top three coaches for SAC, who do you think will be the favorite and new SAC Kings coach? You think that's Mark Jackson out of the three? It certainly seems like that's the that's the way things are headed at this point. What do you think about from, Steve from Clifford? From everything that I've read. I like Steve Clifford. I, I like him a lot. I, I think that he's a, a really, um, he's a defensive-minded guy, right? And uh, he seems to be the, the right type of authoritarian, um, maybe that's the wrong word, but the, the right type of authority to come in and command respect from a young team um, and hopefully get these guys to play some defense because that is number one on my list of things that the Kings need to do. If the Warriors win again, do you think the Warriors will stick together? And where does that put Curry in the all-time GOAT rankings? Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) That's a tough one. Don't piss anybody off here, Calvin. Right? (laughs) Well, first of all, do I think they'll stay together? Yeah, absolutely I do. Um, We did kind of a a brief conversation a few shows ago about the Warriors championship window, and, and I think it's probably two or three years still open. Um, of course, it depends on health and all that stuff, and they'll have some interesting off-season question marks. James Wiseman, Jordan Poole, contract extensions, things like that that come up. Are they going to be able to afford to keep some of these guys? However, the Warriors are in a really, really good position if they want to stay relevant and stay good. They have young assets that they can move for guys who are unhappy with their current situation, i.e. Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert, something like that. I'm not saying that they're, they're making any of those moves this offseason. I'm just saying they're in a really, really good position. They've got all their guys back healthy now, and they have this next wave of young talent that is really excelling and developing well within that system. So I think they definitely stay together and try to keep the championship window going for another couple years. Yeah, I agree. As far as the Curry thing goes, you know, there's only two things that Curry will be in the GOAT conversation for, for me, and that's uh, dribbling and shooting. And that's not a knock on Steph Curry. He's just not well-rounded enough of a player to compete with a guy like LeBron or Jordan or one of these other greatest of all times. He's the greatest of all time shooter, like no doubt. Oh, he changed the game Nobody, of basketball. Nobody's going to take that away. No doubt. But size is important in basketball. And all these other things like, you know, uh, defense, stuff like that. Not that Curry's a bad defender. It's just he is not a dominant guy like LeBron, Jordan, some of these other guys that are mentioned in, in greatest of all time. And I'm going to say it again. That's not a knock on Steph Curry at all. Best shooter of all time. He might be but, the most unique player in NBA history. Yep. You did homework in what Kings prospects, assuming they pick over 10? 
I don't think the Kings can pick over 10 at yeah, this point. Yeah, I'm not point. sure that's even a possibility at this point. But I'm waiting till the draft lottery to really dive in here because uh, that's going to mean everything. I, I will say just real quickly between those two guys, Keegan Murray and A.J. Griffin, if the Kings are a, have the option to draft either one of them, I'm definitely going with Keegan Murray over A.J. Griffin. Favek let Dumars go. Monty is consolidating his power, it seems. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. Um, I like Joe Dumars a lot, but things that I've heard about the Kings in the past is the fact that there's been too many decision makers and they need to get too many guys to agree or approve a decision before they make it, and that's really handicapped them in the past and not allowed them to make quick decisions when they needed to. So consolidating the power to Monty McNair is a great thing in my opinion because, like I said, I trust the guy. I, I think he's a great basketball mind. He's done a lot of things. Yes, you need advisors and stuff like this, but ultimately the decision, in my opinion, should be up to Monty McNair, and uh, Vivek should just be writing the checks and enjoying his courtside seat. I agree. <laughs> it's funny. I, I was watching uh, – so I've still been watching that Winning Time Lakers show uh-huh. on HBO. It's awesome. Another episode they dropped on Sunday – Basically, they're trying to decide between coaches at this point, whether it's Pat Riley or or the dude that got in the bike accident. And uh, Jerry West doesn't want to make the decision, so he's putting it on the owner. The owner's like, or Jerry Buss, who's played by, uh, what's his name? John uh, C. Riley. John C. Riley is trying to make the decision, goes to the dude's house, the guy that got in the bike accident. I, I don't know why I can't remember his name right now. I got some new confusion or something. But uh, the dude doesn't even recognize <laughs> You're still him. still feeling the effects of uh, COVID. Now. Yeah. He doesn't even recognize him. Uh, so John C. Riley is like, oh, man, I made a big mistake here. So <laughs> it's going to be exciting. It's interesting watching a series with, like, events go down, and you already know the outcome, right, because this happened, like, 30-plus years ago. And uh, it's still interesting and still like, wow, what's going to happen next? Yeah. So great, great job by the writers. Great job. Structure, Warriors look good. What's up, Key Kings? Good to see you here. We are just in Q&A, so if you have any questions, uh, let us know. We'll break them down here before we end the show. What's your thoughts on Rashawn Holmes coming back to the Kings next season, Calvin? Um, not good. <laughs> I I really... Uh, again, this is something that I've said before on this show, but Rashawn, I love Rashawn as a person, as a player. Uh, I really think that he is a great example <clears throat> for a lot of young guys who play basketball. Right? Uh, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't drafted, right? Rashawn Holmes. Uh, was he, second he was round. drafted second, second round, round by Houston. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, not, you know, the highest rated guy coming out of high school or college. Um, he just works really, really, really hard, right? And he improved his game every step of the way uh, and turned himself two years ago into a pretty good player. Uh, the problem is the production hasn't been consistent enough for me. And um, I believe that Damian Jones has now su- surpassed him in terms of what he can do on the basketball court. So, that combined with the fact that the king's center position is all of a sudden really crowded means I'm looking for a way to unload Rashawn Holmes and I want to re-sign Damian Jones as the backup to Sabonis. 
yeah, I still think he has some value, and, and that's what the Kings need to do is they need to flip some of these guys that don't really fit and get value back. I need to ask you guys for a favor real quick. We only have five likes here, and there's nine people watching. So can you guys please all go and hit that like button? It would really help us a lot. We'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, so thank you guys so much. Let's get some more likes on this video. And make sure you guys share this with people too because Calvin and I put a lot of time and effort into creating this show, being here for you all every single weekday. So spread the word. We'd like to make this thing grow. We'd like to make it even bigger. And uh, that'll just give us more time and and uh, to come up with creative ideas. And we have a lot of interesting stuff that's coming soon. We're going to make this show a lot of fun with a lot of audience interaction. So thank you guys for tuning in. All right, rumors. Victor Oladipo uh, want to go to three teams, sack being one. Do you think he will be on the Kings after the offseason? I sure hope so. Uh, I think the Kings definitely need to take a shot at this guy. I agree. I think that there is a lot of, for the amount of money that it's rumored to take to sign him, it, it seems like you can get him pretty low. Some GMs are even predicting that it's going to be a minimum deal. So that seems like an absolute steal, uh, assuming that he's able to stay healthy. But it, it could be a really, really um, high reward for the money. You know, we're talking potentially like a Malik Monk type signing here what would you pay this guy because we've we've seen in the past the kings have had to overpay oh overpay um if he's looking for a men, a veteran's minimum deal maybe the kings need to give him something like five million or or uh seven million or something what would you pay to bring him in next season um that's a good question you know i, I mean i definitely like to keep it at or below the $5 million level. Um, but I'm, <clears throat> I'm not opposed to giving him slightly more than that. Something like seven w would be, I think, okay for me, you know? Is he the starting shooting guard next season if he comes he, in? He would be for me, unless yeah. DiVincenzo really, really earns that spot. Uh, I, would I would start Oladipo, yeah. Yeah, I'll start a healthy Victor Oladipo, um, but he's getting older, too. I think he turns 30, what, tomorrow or something? Um, I'm not sure when his birthday is. But uh, the Kings need to figure out the starting shoe guard, shooting guard position. I'd be happy if it was Victor Oladipo, if he could remain healthy. Um, but I think it's important to have backup plans as well. And they do have a guy in Dante DiVincenzo that hopefully they can re-sign. And I think he could fill in that position, too, if, if Oladipo can't play, you know, a full 82-game season, uh, which not a lot of people really can play. Um, we talked about Rashawn Holmes. Just curious about starting at 3 p.m. set in stone. Can it be moved to a later time? Uh, we're, we're considering it. You know, we want to be available for everybody. The thing is, is, you know, we kind of want to wrap the show up before the games start. That way you guys can watch the games and we can watch the games and we can report on them, you know, tomorrow. But, you know, if we have enough people saying that we need to start later, we're open to start later. Uh, Calvin and I both work other jobs. We switched our schedules to work nighttime. It's only 1 p.m. here in Hawaii where we are. So, uh, you know, we would be open to moving the show a little bit later if it helps you guys out. Just let us know, uh, and we'll see what we can do. All right. Yeah, like the video. Hit that like button. 
Also wanted to remind everybody that's watching right now, we are giving away a $250 Fanatics gift card. So if you guys would like to be uh, eligible to win that, all you need to do is go back to our channel. There's a video, win Fanatics gift card. Watch that video. It's very, very short. You like that video, comment your favorite team down below, and uh, you'll be eligible to win that gift card. We're giving it away when we hit 1,000 subscribers. So uh, make sure you guys check that out. Gordon Hayward to the Kings, Cal? I don't like it. Um, it does fill you know an area of need in terms of a wing player, but I think he's severely overpaid. Uh, another guy that has injury problems, you know, has has trouble staying healthy for the course of an entire season, and is nowhere near the type of defender that the team that this team needs. So I, I think it would be committing too much money to a guy that's not going to help you in enough areas. Yeah. Yeah, he makes a ton of money. Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat with Rudy Gobert, right? Is it's like, dude, this guy makes so much money. Why would I want to strap myself with that? I'd much rather try to get Miles Bridges than Gordon Hayward. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know how likely that is, but much rather go that route. And uh, Mr. Nobody, you're welcome to promote us anytime. We will never get mad at you for po promoting our channel. We're, we're all a big family here, and, and we're having fun. Matthew Smith undercover. Sorry for the bad news. What's your thoughts on LeBron James passing away in a non-fatal accident after finding out Kevin Hart was controlling the helicopter when Kobe Bryant died in a nice accident? <laughs> what are you talking about, man? That's a that's I'll, a I'll have to get back to you on that one. That's a crazy comment. And Flame, yeah, we will definitely be live on draft night. We were live last year. Uh, until for the first 10 picks of the draft right after the Kings made their selection, we will definitely be doing another live stream yep. for the draft. And two weeks from now, May 17th, we're going to be doing an awesome uh, little party. It's either going to be on this channel or maybe we'll do one on this channel and one with Royal Rebounds. Uh, Calvin's going to be DJing. Uh, check out this little Just deck got he's got today. here. So. He's going to be DJing for the party, so make sure you guys tune in for that. Um, make sure you guys hit that notification bell because it will notify you every time we post a new video or every time we schedule a video so you won't miss out on any of our content. All right. Anybody else here? I really hope uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. continues his exceptional shooting from game one to game two. Yeah, he's been incredible, and every time I see him play, it just makes me think back to that draft, and I'm like, Aiton, good player. Uh, Doncic, good player. Jaron Jackson Jr., good player. Trey Young, good player. everybody in the top 12 picks is a good what player. What happened to draft. Marvin Bagley? Man. Pretty much. Man, that is that is <laughs> crazy, dude. That is crazy. But he may have found his, his home in Detroit. He might be... Might be good next year. Oladipo, three years, eighteen million. Is that fair? Uh, well, yeah, that would put him at six million a year. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, that's that's not too bad. <clears throat> maybe maybe I do last year's like a team option or something like yeah. that. If if I could get away with it. And yes, it is a uh, one eleven right now. Make a wish. One eleven in Hawaii right now. It's like Deuce and Moe in the morning, K or D-Lo Casey at lunch, in early afternoon, you guys at Drive Time Afternoon, All Day Kings Podcast. Yeah, buddy. We're filling it up here. Lots of content for you guys. 
All right. Any more questions? Any more questions here? Do you guys believe that Kenny Atkinson denied the Kings job? I, I don't know. It's it's a lot of he's hearsay and he said he said right now. You know, yeah. I, I don't think you find out the real answer to those questions until after um, these guys all find their next jobs. And if he said no, or do at least I until the season ends? Do I blame him? I, I mean, from the outside looking in, Sacramento has been a rough spot for the last 15 years. So I, I totally get why you wouldn't want to move your family, uh, invest in being here, and then get cut loose if you're not given a fair shake, which has happened to a few coaches here. So, And you never really know what the their current situation is like, right? I mean, it, it would surprise a lot of people, but let's say, you know, Steve Kerr has had a lot of back problems and trouble um, staying on the bench at times, maybe he's told these guys that, or, or, you know, Kenny Atkinson specifically, I might not be around that much longer, and this team is going to be yours if you want it. I, <clears throat> it's a complete, I just made that up. I'm not, I don't have any <laughs> inside information. But you never know. Something like that could be true. Are any of you guys sports betters in here? I, I want to know. We're currently in the process of working out a, a sponsorship deal with Bet Us. Uh, where we'll be able to offer you guys some incentive uh, and some bonuses if you sign up with them uh, and get some free money so you guys can place some bets and win some games or win some money. Uh, on that subject, Calvin, Steven wants to know who you guys got winning tonight. I got Milwaukee and Memphis winning tonight. <clears throat> Milwaukee and Memphis. Straight up? Well, yeah, I mean, Boston's favored by five, so yep. I, I take Milwaukee for the spread yep. regardless. Um, and then Golden the State by Golden two, State's minus two, so it's almost a toss-up anyway. Okay. Perfect here. Luca and Curry to the Kings confirmed. Oh, that'd be nice. Which Curry, though? That's what I got to know. And which Luca? <laughs> yeah. All right, I disagree. Steph Curry only had back problems because Kobe Bryant was giving him. <laughs> oh man, I, I was talking about Steve Kerr having back problems, not Curry. Matthew Smith, you're you're funny, dude. You're really funny. Um, I bet a hundred dollars the Kings get a top four pick. Wow, what are the odds on that? That's crazy. I got Celtics and Grizzlies, says Stephen. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be two, uh, two exciting games to watch here. It, it really will be. All right, guys, we are going to end the show here. Thank you guys so much for watching. The bar is closing. Please make sure to close out your tabs. We appreciate you all for watching. Please hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We will be back tomorrow, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to break down what happened today and also give some previews of tomorrow's games so thank you guys so much for watching and don't forget to tip your bartender